0: Time for the morning brief. Tim Houdek is here, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, John Moore. So, 10 years after cell service came to TTC Tunnels, but only offered by one of the minor players in this town, Rogers is buying the company that provides the cell phone service, so at the very least Rogers customers will have access. What do you make of this deal?
1: Uh, I'm still frustrated. I'm still an- angry uh, over this. It just seems that we we baby, we coddle our major telecommunications companies. We treat them like some kind of corporate royalty. They would know that on the polls tend far more towards hated than loved by average Canadians. So why do we let them off the hook for so long? It is like when you walk down to the subway, not only descend down the stairs, You feel like you had to send 20 years back in time. And how this was allowed to persist for so long when in Montreal, in New York City, in London, other major systems, you could access your phone. It's a crazy game where you sort of stick your phone up when you come out of light for a couple of seconds to tell your, your spouse that you'll be 15 minutes late or whatever. How did we get so far into it where there is no pressure from City Hall or from the federal government that regulates them to actually make this happen when it happens elsewhere with ease? Okay, well, it's going to be another two years. Brad Bradford
0: insists he's a candidate for mayor. That's too long to wait. I would uh, posit that I don't know that Brad Bradford has an engineer in telecommunica- engineering degree in telecommunications.
1: Well, you know what? It, it, it proves the value of what Theodore Roosevelt called the the bully pulpit—the ability of politicians to actually, you know, use their their platform, their microphone to get things done. We were too soft on these guys for for far too long. So I'm I'm pleased it has been a focus from various candidates, John, in this campaign. I think that did help provoke action. This company that had a BAI Communications that got the license, I think, in 2012, does deliver cell service in other jurisdictions, notably London and New York City and the other telecoms then use that that's that framework to serve their own customers but for some reason you know the, the big three here in Canada have have not done so so thank goodness finally there's been some pressure on this but it should have been done some time ago So people at that Markham mosque where a guy struck a worshiper and then went inside, uh,
0: tore a Koran up apparently, are calling on the Ford government to combat Islamophobia. There was apparently some legislation that never quite made it. I'm not sure what angle it took, but I guess another question we could ask would be, should the government
1: be on the hook for security at mosques
0: and, uh, and synagogues?
1: Yeah, a couple things there, John. I, I don't, I don't believe uh, that uh, more legislation uh, is the, the the route that's necessary. Now, I think it's just enforcement of existing legislation. We have uh, a criminal code against hate crimes. We have the Human Rights Act. We collect uh, data. We have security forces in these areas. Just make sure you put them to the best possible use to combat Islamophobia or anti-Semitism or any kind of uh, indiv- individually uh, based uh, hatred. The legislation was by. Terence Kernahan he's an NDP member from from London Ontario it was very broad-based but went down the standard routes around uh, around education you know keeping uh, data making sure courses are done by public officials uh, I say it's to make sure that we enforce existing laws that should be powerful enough now on the security level the, the federal government did have a security uh, plan it was a security uh, invest infrastructure program where uh, cultural uh, facilities educational institutions that are, are private uh, and religious institutions could apply for up to uh, $50,000 uh, of funding uh, each year for camera security services, and uh, training. I don't know if that program still exists, John. It started back in, I think, 2018. So that's the way government has done it. But on- ongoing support for police forces outside, no, that's not the, the core role of government or police serv- services. Uh, helping groups like this with infrastructure costs on a one-time basis, I think that's helpful, in the program uh, did get subscribers.
0: I have to imagine, Tim, at this hour, there are probably some people listening Listening right now, who understand how security is run at mostly synagogues I'm familiar with, so maybe someone will text us in and tell us what the current rules are. 71010 is how you can send us a text. So, this is the law of unintended consequences. Uh, everybody wanted us to get tough on long term care homes and seniors' homes and to do mandatory upgrades. And some operators are saying, eh, screw it, I'm getting out of the business and I'm just going to sell the property and let some developer build a condo.
1: Yeah. <sighs> A couple things here. Um, You know, number one, um, our long-term care system has been an an abomination. It has been the ugly secret of our health care system for far too long. John, I I saw that when I was a PC leader in my own riding. We did have a number of homes that that got rebuilt, but far too many had survived uh, and carried on since the 1950s. We we were warehousing, and we still are. Our seniors cramming four into a room you can't pass in the hallway in, in wheelchairs in some of these. And there has been a screaming need for some time to actually rebuild those facilities and and add new. And it's good to see that underway under the Ford government, but but for far too long, there were too many gaps in the system, which was an incredible sign of disservice and disrespect to, you know, the greatest generation. Now, now I understand the pressures that will exist in the cities, and, this, and the same thing that exists for educational institutions, for example, John, that the cost of real estate is so high, confining the space on the ground level to do so is going to be a major challenge. What, what do they do in other major cities for schools? Well, they actually help build them into buildings, so libraries, other services. Mm-hmm. I imagine probably the same way with long-term care homes, as long. As, as you make sure there's good space for getting some fresh air and getting outside, that's probably going to be uh, the solution here. I do recall from my time in government, there was a long list of people that wanted to actually get in this business. For patient money, pension funds, etc. you get a, a long-term return on your investment. So I think it's a matter of making sure the funding formula is up to date, but looking for innovative solutions when you're in urban areas. So it turns out that Canadians don't really like winter. They were asked,
0: uh, you know, to what, what season, what's your favorite season? Summer. Not surprisingly, but that's a silly slide rule. Uh, but when they were asked if they like winter, almost half, I think, said not so much.
1: I, I feel at home. I feel at home. I actually had this conversation with my daughter, Miller. We were out for a, a hike at our, at our home down in Niagara this uh, this Easter uh, weekend. We actually talked our favorite seasons. We're both kind of leaning towards fall. We're in that category. But the older I get, John Moore, the less I like winter, and I'm happy to see the crowd of Canadians uh, are there, especially after what was a very dark winter this this time around. What used to puzzle me, and that's why I'm feeling better today, what used to puzzle me was I would make an annual trip to see Wyarton Willie in Wyarton, Ontario, as PC part of a great, you know, sort of small-town winter tourism. And then the mayor would get up there, right, with a groundhog in their glass case and would ask people if they're cheering for an early spring or a longer winter. And I think that would be a, 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 no contest whatsoever. John, at least half the crowd, would cheer for that longer winter Maybe that's the snowmobile crowd that was gathered. Maybe they had too many beers early in the morning. I don't know what it was. I feel better that the vast majority of Canadians are with me. The older I get, the less I like the snow. More than half of Canadians in a recent survey admitted they're not saving enough
0: for retirement. That's kind of like a landmine, isn't it? I mean, it's going to go off eventually.
1: You know, I, I actually saw this uh, as more encouraging news than than I expected. I thought the number would be uh, much lower. It, Particularly with the challenges that we face today, to see almost half, you know, believe that they'll retire by sixty-five or or earlier, and forty-six percent feel good about the retirement. That's that's not a goal to shoot for, but that's more positive than I would have expected, you know, based on my experience in public life. I, I still could not believe people I'd run into, who sadly had to depend on government-based programs for their retirement. That that's that's barely how you can survive, let alone live. And this reflects on some of the underlying problems that that we don't focus enough on because we get caught up in the day-to-day. The fact that take-home pay has been on the decline for some time. Inflation is a terrible disease. It eats away at our savings. It means that we have less or no money to put away for retirement. It shows that our productivity in in Canada is not anywhere near the pace it needs to be to provide for a good living in retirement, and and taxes are too high. All of those underlying cost drivers that, that take money out of our, our wallets and our purses, it puts us in a perspective that we don't really have enough of a retirement plan unless we start changing some of those macro, macroeconomic indicators. I also found it interesting, I'm trying to dig into the figures in my notes here,
0: but I think it was only about a third of people can expect to collect a pension outside of the uh, Canadian pension plan.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and definitely the defined benefit program um, seems to be, you know, heading towards uh, extinction. Governments yep. have looked at better ways to provide pension programs. But, to, you know, to me, the bottom line is you need to find ways to make us more productive. So take home pay after you pay your taxes grows and to get taxes down.
0: Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Have a fabulous day. You too. That's uh, Tim Hudak. He's with the Ontario Real Estate Association, and actually the figures are 37% of Canadians said they have an employer-sponsored registered pension plan, 19% rely on government-assisted retirement plans. But this is why we always get I mean, first of all, I think that major corporations should always make sure that there is an aspect to your compensation that includes (laughs) what is going to happen after you work for them. Um, But then we also get into these debates every once in a while about what the Canada Pension Plan is going to pay out. And people say, you can't live on that. The idea was not that you would live on it. It would be that it would uh, be a cushion for those who did not have significant savings. But ultimately, people have to look after their retirement.